0: Welcome back to the podcast. This episode is part two of our conversation with Ros McDonough from Hello Baby Midwifery. Through her work, Ros provides pregnancy care and postnatal support from the first scan and testing pregnancy right through until your baby is six weeks old. She believes that every woman deserves attentive, evidence-based and informative care and she's all about empowering women to make the right choices for their own needs and personal circumstances. In part one of our conversation, we talked about the different types of care available during pregnancy, and it was such a fantastic, detailed discussion that if you haven't listened to it, I suggest you do that right now before you listen to this one. But today, we talk about some of the typical appointments and tests that you may be offered during your pregnancy, what they are, what is their purpose, and roughly when you should expect them. We cover everything from chromosomal defects to iron deficiencies, streptococcus, or otherwise known as strep B, and the dreaded gestational diabetes, plus more. You're listening to the How The Mum 101 podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Karen And I'm Felicity. you've gone through that process of deciding and what type of care you would like, what yeah. your options going to be and what care provider you select. What should you expect in terms of like tests during the pregnancy? So we sort of, we've touched on this a little bit sort of throughout some of the care options, mm. but in terms of the actual mm-hmm. tests that you go like blood tests and ultrasounds and things like that, what, what are the sort of the typical ones that happen throughout the pregnancy? When should you expect them? And what sort of things are you looking okay. for
1: in those wow. tests? From your GP or whoever you book into early, whether it's your your midwife or your your GP, there'd be initial screening tests. You may have a blood test, or you you might be offered to uh, recommended to have a blood test to to confirm that you're pregnant. But you know, I'm thinking, well, you're feeling crap. You're you peed on a stick. You're late for your period. <laughs> You know, do we really? <laughs> Just make the assumption. <laughs> it, it can be useful as, yeah, I mean, it can be useful in some, you know, circumstances um, if you've got some spotting, for example. So that might be the initial blood test. Then there's the recommended screening tests. Again, these are covered off in the SAPGs for for sure. syphilis, rubella. AIDS, hepatitis B and C, uh, vitamin D, do a full blood count, your blood type and anti- antibodies, your iron stores, and a urine sample. So they would be the ones that would be offered as a or recommended as a baseline at your first encounter, your first visit.
2: And and the purpose um, of that is that to to see whether you need any vitamin supplementation or things like that.
1: Okay, so with, with those ones. So for the uh, screening for diseases, for Mm. example, it's not because we think that you have a problem, but it can change the way that we care for you if we Mm. find something. So obviously if, you know, you have hepatitis, then we need to change our plan or get on top of it or, or whatever. If you're not immune to the German measles, we flag that and say, okay, we can't vaccinate you for that one during pregnancy, but... You need to make sure that as we're, you're leaving the hospital, we give you the vaccine because if you, and, you know, avoid spotty children because, <laughs> you know, if you get the germ measles or rubella during pregnancy, there can be serious implications for your unborn okay. baby. Blood type, um, there's around the blood type. If you're a negative blood type, you might, need some, you might need to know that and there's some different recommendations during pregnancy and at the birth or with any bleeding, doing a a baseline full blood count and checking your iron stores, you you might be already um, anemic or low in iron. So we can see things from your blood picture to see if you're currently healthy. Great, we've got a baseline. Or actually there might be a few things that need uh, some tweaking that you can get on top of early in the pregnancy so it doesn't impact on how you feel later in the pregnancy. Vitamin D is another one of those then you might then be offered a dating scan, you know, just to check that the pregnancy's in the right space. So it's in your uterus, and not in your tubes. Um, You might be offered another scan, pardon me, at around about 12 weeks. That's the one that combined with a blood test, that can be used as a screening test for Down syndrome to see if you're at increased risk of having a baby with a chromosomal abnormality. All of these are, you know, they might be presented to you as here it is, this is what we do, but Everything's negotiable, in my opinion. So, as long as you have the information,
0: so you you would want to, yeah. So, I was just going to say, they're the sorts of things that you would want to know, though, aren't they? Like, it, there wouldn't be many women that
1: would reject those sorts of scams, or, or, or you can decline if you, you know, you might be needle phobic, and it might be really, really hard for you to actually front up for a needle. You know, as far as chromosomal concerns go, it might be actually we're going to love whatever we're we're given when. I can't terminate a pregnancy. I've been trying forever for this child. So they might actually choose to not have any screening and that's fine. They also might choose to have screening and if it is increased risk to go and have diagnostic testing because they want to be prepared for whatever um, health concerns their baby has. So a percentage, probably a greater percentage of people might choose X But you want to make that choice for yourself and to decide what's right for you. You need to have the information so that you aren't then faced with a decision that you didn't even want to have the information about to begin with? Does, yeah, that does makes that sense. Make sense. Yeah,
0: it does. And I hadn't considered those things as well. I just thought. Yeah. Uh, I guess every, we all have our own opinions. So, from my perspective, yeah. I wanted you know, knowledge is power to me. So, the more, the more I could see the baby on the scan, the more bloods I could hear about to yeah. see how I was, you know, within myself. Um, yeah. the better I felt
1: about how the pregnancy was progressing. But you're right; not everybody and, would you know, want that level some- of detail. People are quite happy to, and it can be a little bit frustrating, actually, (laughs) as a healthcare professional, to abdicate their decision-making to, well, you're the expert, you know, Mm -hmm. so yes, around about 12 weeks is when those um, chromosomal testing options uh, come up. And then there might be, uh, like other routine care might be at around about 20 weeks uh, for another scan, looking at baby's structure in detail, arms and legs and fingers and toes and where the placenta is. Um, so that scan is the most detailed one generally in a normal pregnancy takes about an hour and a half depending on how wriggly baby is and what position they're sitting in and um, a lot of people are keen to find out the the gender of their baby and if baby doesn't have their legs crossed and if the cord isn't in the way then (laughs) often the sonographer can um, give you a bit of a hint the majority of people are finding out now so if you don't want to know what gender your baby is, I would preface the appointment even, you know, as you're live on the table to have that scan, we don't want to find out the gender of the baby. Just to make sure. And yeah. make that decision. Be- just make that decision between you and your partner uh, as to whether you do or don't want to find out that you don't have that argument, even with the <laughs> ultrasonographer. With everything going well into plan, the next sort of blood tests might be at around about 28 weeks where we would recommend screening test for diabetes at that point we'd also do another like a do a full blood count to look at how uh, the health of your blood and your iron stores and maybe your vitamin d uh, are going at that point because you know, you've got that perfect parasite sucking all the goodness out of you. We want to make sure that we put in all the supports around that as to, you know, if you need to increase or start taking on supplements or, or things like that so that so you can be as, as healthy as possible. And in terms um, of the,
2: the diabetes test, that's, um, yeah. that's obviously a, a completely different. Well, not obviously, but it is a completely different thing to normal, non-gestational diabetes. Yeah. And the risk yeah. is different. Like even if you've never had a problem with diabetes and you don't have any family history or anything like yes. that, you, you're
1: still yes. potentially yeah. can develop that. So yeah, because it's to do with yeah. pregnancy because of, you know, your body is working hard. to To sustain the pregnancy, so for some women that's enough to push them into to diabetes. There is a an interplay between the the hormones that are secreted by the placenta and the insulin production hormones. So as the placenta is growing, as the baby is growing, so the placenta doesn't start and stay as one size. It sort of grows along with baby to sustain baby. You know, as the placenta is getting bigger, that interference with insulin production can or interaction with insulin production become more pronounced and uh, show up as diabetes in pregnancy there are um, other risk factors I guess that would put you at higher risk of having diabetes or gestational diabetes I should say so yes family history is one if you'd had um endocrine uh, problems like polycystic ovarian syndrome in the past that puts you at increased risk if you've got a raised body mass index so if you're a a bigger woman and there are ethnic variances as well so racial heritage but that doesn't mean that it is going to be uncontrolled or that it has to yes you have to be careful but if you're diagnosed with gestational diabetes it doesn't mean that there's not things that you can do to have it um, be stable.
0: That's interesting to know. All I remember about the gestational diabetes test yeah. is, you know, everyone preps you for this horrible sugary drink and it's going to make you feel sick and it's going to make you vomit and all the rest of it. And to me, yeah, it was just like drinking sort of flat, thick syrupy lemonade. The hard part for yeah. me was the bloods because you have your bloods yeah. done, I think, three times through the hour. And, um, and yeah, my, my my veins weren't great through fertility treatment. So for me, that was yeah. a bit of a challenging one. But other than that, the, the drink was okay. So, okay. And then so that's, yeah. that's 28 weeks. I think you mentioned the gestational diabetes. So, is there any other sort of main tests? Or
1: if you are struggling with anemia or low iron, then and you're on the the treatment, they might recommend another blood test at around about 36 weeks to make sure the tablets are doing their job. And again, around about 36 weeks, there's um, in South Australia, not not throughout the country, but in South Australia, we recommend offering um, a screening test for group B streptococcus vaginal swab a common organism 20 to 30 percent of women have it at any particular time men have it as well but they don't have vaginas so we're not worried about them at the moment it comes and goes so it's kind of like and it's not a a STI or anything nasty necessarily It's, it's just one of those common flora in your gut Um, and reproductive system. If it's detected, then it's kind of like, well, it's out of balance. There's a bit of an overgrowth. So if it's present in the vagina during the birth process, then there's the potential for babes to pick it up on the way through. And because they haven't had the opportunity to uh, develop immunity to it yet, for some babies it can cause a nasty infection. It's common in women. Yeah. A small percentage of babies might... If the mum's GPS positive, a small percentage might pick it up. Of that small percentage, only a small percentage will go on to develop an infection. But because it's a nasty infection like meningitis, pneumonia, septicemia, like potentially life-threatening infection. That's why we offer screening for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, I think it's just the explanation that there's there's a bit of stigma that could be attached to it if you've got it, but it's not, as you mentioned, it's not a nasty disease or anything like
1: that. You can decline the swab test. Queensland, for example, they don't routinely offer screening, but if somebody has any risk factors, then they'll offer the, the test in the United States they offer screening routinely at 36 weeks in the UK they don't offer screening they only uh, treat it if risk factors occur so it's worthwhile getting a little bit more information about it because you know that the treatment is like we don't treat it at the time during pregnancy but when you go into labor we when i say we i'm talking as we as in the public sector would be offering iv penicillin at regular intervals throughout the the labor to reduce the number of organisms present and to give baby a protective covering for the birth process so they're less likely to develop an infection but penicillin antibiotics wipes out the good as well as the bad and can affect baby's gut microbiome and yours and you might then feel like well is this medicalizing my otherwise normal labor and birth and so there might be different ways that you feel about that so ask questions actually can can I just say one more thing so decision making process how do you know what questions to even ask when you just don't have any idea. So if somebody's presenting something, you know, even this this GBS screening, um, there's an acronym that I like to tell women to, to use, it's BRAIN. The letters stand for B, benefits. What are the benefits? Why should I do this test? What are the benefits of it? R, well, what are the risks associated with the, with this test? Are there any risks? A, well, what are the alternatives? If I don't do that, is there something else that I can do that's equally acceptable to you and more acceptable to me? I is intuition or instinct. What does my gut tell me is the right thing for me to do in this moment? And we can't underestimate what feels right or wrong for you. And N stands for nothing. What happens if I do nothing? You know, what are the scenarios, good or bad or indifferent? Or what happens if I wait? Can I I wait? How long can I wait for? If you don't know what questions to ask, think of asking questions along those lines and then that will prompt the care provider to give you more information that you need to make the decision that's right that for you. That
2: is such a that is such a good framework because often you're you're presented with a doctor or someone telling you, "Hey, this is happening, so I think we're going to need to go with an induction or whatever it is." And you think to yourself, "Okay, mm-hmm. well, I I don't know if that's the right thing to do, but you don't have any information mm-hmm. to base" your decision on and you you don't know what questions mm-hmm. to ask so so that's that's just a really mm-hmm. a really good way of saying of of de- determining what questions are good to ask yeah. to get that
1: information that you need and um, you can ask your clinician well okay I I was really had my heart set on this you're telling me this what evidence can you give me that you're basing your information on so I can go away and read about yeah. it for myself so that I can understand more fully and get my head around what's happening and it's okay to say okay I can't make this decision now I, I appreciate it's going to be inconvenient to you that I that you can't put a plan in place right now because we're doing it we in the moment now, but I need to go away and discuss it with someone and think about it and I'll get back to you. Yeah. It's okay to do that. Yes, it's you know, might not be what the doctor or midwife wants to do because they just wanna sort it and move on to the next thing on their long, long list of things to do it's not yeah, about them right. it's about yeah, you doing the right thing for your body yeah. and your
2: baby is way more important than causing someone a little bit of inconvenience or frustration
1: um, and your mindset if you just need you know 15 minutes even can make the you know walk out of the room go outside chat about it you know it might only need half an hour for you to get your mind around it but then that is so valuable to how you feel about the process and it will stop that snowball of of groundswell of things that might just add to Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! And that feeling of the loss of control because you've actually put a stop, even just for half an hour, and you think, okay, that's fine. I'm, I'm yeah, yeah it, absolutely. That- and then
2: whatever decision you settle on, at least you have confidence in it, and you know that you've you've considered it properly, and can go in that direction with that confidence. It's
0: mm. good. Mm. Thank you so much for your time today, Roz. Absolute pleasure. I'm um, jumping on the
1: the call with um, Karen <laughs> and
0: myself.
1: It's, it's been. Yeah, it's been good to chat and hopefully <laughs> that there is so much information out there, for, or lack of information. So, hopefully, you guys putting this out there will help people to wrap their head around a little bit that's of the it. Goal. And at least they can <laughs> replay it and listen to it again. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: that's right. And earmark it and go back to it. And that concludes part two of our conversation with Roz from Hello Baby Midwifery. She is such a wealth of knowledge. We've absolutely loved speaking with her over the last couple of weeks and have definitely come away knowing a lot more about some of the questions that we should have asked and prepared ourselves for our own pregnancies. How fantastic was that acronym that Roz referred to towards the end of the episode, BRAIN? Certainly a great one for you to remember, which will help you structure your own questions if you don't know where to start. I think this framework is a great place. If you would like to connect with Roz, we have added some links in the show notes and also some details of our own to help you find us and connect with us. We would also love to hear from you. But before you go, if you leave us a rating and a review we would really appreciate it